will sit. I will sit. I will sit. I will sit. I will sit. In the chair of change. So, uh, pretty exciting things at our house yesterday. Uh, Taylor went to dinner last night with Nick. She's been dating for a while. And she didn't know, although we all knew, that he was going to propose last night. And he did. And she said yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Hold your hand up, Taylor. With the ring on, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. Stop by and see her or, you know. See her on Facebook, Instagram. It's all out there. So, very good. There is a place where the glory of God falls. Amen? There's a place where the Spirit of God is present, where He speaks, where He comes into areas in our life that no one else goes into. And in those places, we're moved in ways like we are not moved anywhere else. In those places, we're encouraged. Hope wells up. Faith arises. Vision comes alive. There's a future. There's a hope. All of that comes in the place when there are two or more who are gathered in the name of Jesus. And they're gathered for the purpose of hearing him, seeking him, and to be changed by him. Amen. We've gathered this morning because, or not because we're here just to fulfill some religious duty. We're not here to just check off Sunday church as a box of something we did. We're here to meet with the ever present, ever living God this morning. And we are seeking to be changed by him. That is his passion. That is our passion as a church that our lives would be changed. We are in a series right now we're calling Change Me. Not change that person sitting next to me. Not change that one on the row. Not change that one who's still back at home that didn't come this morning. We pray for them, but right now, it's just us. It's just me. Change me, all right? So if you're praying this morning for change, just Keep it within the confines of that blue padded thing you're sitting on this morning. Amen? The chair of change. We're confident that this is what God wants because we know what Scripture says. Romans 8, 28, a very familiar passage to believers. It says, and we know that all things work together. It's very important here. And we know and we have confidence And we are certain, and we rest in this, and we know that all things, not just the things that happen on Sunday morning, but the things that happen on Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday in the middle of the night, all things, doesn't mean it's just people with the church attached to them, but all things, everybody, every event, everything, all things are work work together for good Man, we could just go on all day with just this verse right here, but this is not even our passage for today. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, we rest in what we know. Because there are times, like Brianna said, that all of a sudden life starts unfolding and what we see and what we feel doesn't jive sometimes with what we might know. Amen? Didn't mean to use a 70s term jive there, but I did. 
It means come together, fit, all right? It doesn't jive. Sometimes they don't always connect like that. And when that happens, we trust what we know above what we feel or what we see. Amen? Amen. Have faith in that. Faith above what it looks like. Those who are called according to his purpose, and here's what 29 says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. All those things that he's working together, all those things that we rest in, is the confident knowledge that he is arranging every event in our life toward a single goal, that we might be shaped, conformed into the very image of his son, Jesus Christ. Wow. What an honor, what a blessing, what a privilege that God would put his spirit in us the moment we are born again, that he would shape us, that he would introduce events into our lives that would cause us to become more like Jesus, that we would start loving like he does, that we might have joy like he does. Have peace like he does. Understand the blessings that he has. And we're transformed by all of that. That is what he's doing in our lives. We're using a passage during our series that's from the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bible, you've got a Bible app, whatever you're doing to follow along with Scripture this morning, go ahead and turn to John 15, verses 1 through 8. We're going to read these eight verses. We're doing that every week. And then we're going to focus in on one of the verses. So far we've covered verse 1 and verse 2. Today we're going to hit on verse 3. But today, instead of me reading verses 1 through 8, I've asked Mr. Christopher Invani, one of our elders here at the church, to come and read the passage for us. So Christopher, come. We've got a microphone here. And uh, yeah, y'all can give Christopher a hand. Yeah. If you haven't got to know him yet, just wait till you do. You're going to love it. And uh, we love Christopher for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that people say is, oh, you mean the guy with the voice? <laughs> so Christopher, read for us, and then uh, and we'll just continue together in God's word. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as we branch, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you cannot do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Amen. Thank you, Christopher. Yes, give him another hand. Yeah, good job. Beautiful passage of Scripture. We're going to tackle this one verse at a time. By the way, Christopher and his wife, Beth, are leading one of our lift groups. And uh, our new season is about to begin. You'll hear more about that today. But you can uh, find their names out here on a table and sign up to be a part of one of our groups, of one of which they lead. So we are in verse 1 today. And what I've been doing each week is challenging and encouraging our church to memorize this passage. 
So if you've been doing that, by now you would have had verses 1 and 2 memorized, and you're getting to 3, our short short verse today. It's a short, probably the shortest verse out of the whole passage. It's an interesting, fascinating verse, but I want to back up because, as we have said before, context is everything in Scripture. If you don't understand the context, then you will misunderstand the verse. If you try to just read one verse without understanding the whole, you will have missed it. So let's back up to verse 1 and begin here with what Jesus says in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Makes it very clear up front that he is the one who is the source of life. And I think we can all gather by now that what Jesus is doing is he's talking about something that would have been familiar to the disciples and maybe familiar to us. A vineyard. A place where grape vines are growing. And I don't mean little tender vines, but stalks, what we might think of, or branches here in Texas. We think of a tree branch like this. Well, a grapevine, when it's coming up out of the ground, is of that size, most likely. There's different sizes, but it comes up and it carries the life of the vine to the branches. So I've been telling us all every week, we've got to reverse some of our thinking. We tend to think in Texas here about trees having branches and those branches having vines on them, right? That's what we think. Hello. Okay. But Jesus says, no, if you're talking about grapes, the main part that comes up out of the ground, that is the vine. It carries the life in it. And what comes off of the vine are the branches They are the smaller pieces. They are where the fruit grows. And there's another part in the story, Jesus says, there is a vine dresser. There is someone who is responsible for the production of fruit on the vine. And he is the vine dresser. He is wise. He knows what to do. And he will do what he must to make sure there is a healthy production of fruit. Now we get into very, uh, verse 2. And it says, every branch in me, this is Jesus talking, that does not bear fruit. So we know he's talking about believers. We dealt this verse last week. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. If you were here last week, we understood that that, those words there actually mean to lift up. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. He encourages, he puts back on to the trellis, the pole, the wire, whatever it is to help it grow fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Every branch that bears fruit. He didn't say every branch that did bad this past week, he prunes. Doesn't say that. Every branch that bears fruit, every branch that's doing well, every branch that has evidence of life in it, every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, unless you are a vineyard owner, unless you are a vine dresser, unless you are growing fruit vines in your backyard or trees, some of the story here will be lost. So we are attempting to learn some of the pictures that Jesus has presented for us here. And I brought a version of a grape vine and branches last week. Now, last week's were filled with beautiful leaves and fruit hanging here, if you remember. This week, not so much. Not so attractive right now. You see, 
It's important to understand that when the vine dresser prunes, he does so after the season of fruit has passed. After the fruit has been collected. When it gets into the winter months is when the pruning occurs. And if the vine dresser were going to prune he would go about a process that at first might be somewhat shocking because you think, wow, look at all this growth from the last season. That's pretty impressive. It's still early. It's still young. Pretty impressive growth. We should encourage that. The vine dresser would say, yeah. And, you know, here's the way we do that. We just, uh, we just come along and uh, this is what we do. We prune because... If we're going to have more fruit, we've got to get past all of this. This stuff was great for the last season. But if you're going to get into the next season, you've got to get rid of some things that were there in this season. You got to, this stuff was great. Man, it was fruitful. We got a lot off of it. It was awesome. There's a lot of productivity here. A lot of exciting things happen. You made a lot of advancements in your, you know, your, your, your branches here. I love all of that. But uh, to get to where the vine dresser wants you to go, you're going to have to get rid of some stuff. The vine dresser knows what's necessary the vine dresser knows what to get rid of and if I were the branches if I could talk and I was a branch I might be thinking vine dresser what in the world are you doing you are just cutting away everything that I've worked so hard at for this past year I have I've I've really strained and I've, I've, I've toiled and I've, I've worked and you're just taking away without any concern for me. And you just keep cutting. You ever been through a season like that in your life? Or it just feels like God just keeps cutting back and you think, God, that was, that was my job. I'd worked so hard there and God, those are friends I had. I had really worked a long time on that. And God, that was a situation I'd really kind of grown comfortable in. Hello? Yeah? And now you've, you've taken it away. You're, you're redirecting everything about my life. Did you know that when a vine dresser goes out to prune the vine, that he often prunes 90% of the growth that happened the last year. 90%. And the, the branches could be offended by that. The branches could be bothered by that. Sometimes pruning's hard. Unless they knew the heart of the vine dresser. You see, the vine or the branches might also say, Hey, I put out a lot of fruit this past year. I guess this is you saying I didn't put out enough. I guess this is your way of correcting me. I guess this is your way of 
judging me. Is that what you're doing, Mr. Vine Dresser? And the vine dresser would say, you know, I'm not pruning you because of what happened in the last season. I'm pruning you because for what's coming in the next season. See, I know there's more life coming up out of this vine. I know what's ahead. And if you just kept what you had, you won't be able to get what you can have. If you just keep living on those things that you experienced with God over the past decade, 20 years, 30 years ago, if you're, still, if you're still trying to live off of that fruit, you're missing the fruit that you could be producing in your life today. The vine dresser is not as interested in what has been as much as what will come. And so he will prune and prune and prune until he gets to the place where he feels like, okay, I think the branches are ready for the next season. Are you ready for the next season in your life? Are you tired of living off of yesterday's fruit? you tired of measuring your life by how much you have produced on your own. You're ready for God to do something new. Remember last week, when God wants to take us to a new experience of glory, he has to bring some gory to our story. This that I just did is gory. You're cutting away, you're removing, you're pruning, you're removing what I have done. You are removing what I've become comfortable with. Yes, because for the glory, there has to be a story that has a little bit of gory in it. You can't just keep resting on yesterday's story. God will produce a new story. But this is where people get tripped up. This is where people struggle because they, they go through this experience. God removes, God changes, God redirects, God cuts away some stuff, and it's painful. It's difficult. It hurts. It's, it's changing everything about you. And if you didn't have faith beyond what it looks like, if you didn't have faith beyond what it feels like, then you would get angry, bitter, depressed, fearful. The very opposite thing that the vine dresser wants. But the vine dresser's far more wise than the branches. Amen? Amen. He's not focused on judging you for last season. He's focused on producing fruit because he knows what's coming in the next season. But when the knife hits your life, you need a little reassurance. Amen? I don't know about you, but I do. When, When that 
pain comes, when that change comes, and it wasn't what you were expecting, and God's trimming and removing and altering and cutting away what you became comfortable with, it can be a little disheartening. It can be a little concerning. It can be a little fearful. Man, I've been through times like that. I hate to even admit this to you, but I'm going to. Before Vertical came into existence, I was, uh, I was pastoring a small church in Waxahachie. And I had gotten comfortable. We weren't really, you know, knocking the doors down for growth or anything like that. But I'd gotten comfortable. It was what I'd been doing for a while. And then I got this email from the man who was the pastor here that I'd never met. And we met and God birthed this idea of two churches merging, becoming one. And I was incredibly grateful in the moment. I was excited for what God, what I believed he was going to do. But it represented change in my life. And I can remember even in the process of the merge, there were times I was still so uh, nervous, just being honest. Is this going to work? What, what's going on here? I'm, God, I, I think I believe you, but this feels so weird. There was a couple of times I'd call Heather on the phone in the middle of the day. And I'd be in tears, thinking, God, Heather, I don't know if I did the right thing. I just don't know. And she reminded me of God's promises in the moment. She reminded me to have faith beyond what it feels like in the moment. Made it through that time. And look what God is doing. He continues. He knows what he's doing. He's a faithful vine dresser. So in this passage, Jesus has been laying that out for the disciples. He's been very clear with them about this picture of the vine, the branches, the vine dresser. And you get to verse 3, and you might think, did someone mess up and put a verse in here that doesn't belong Right? Because let's look at verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Like, does that belong in 1 John or something? Did someone hit copy paste, you know, back in the old days and put it in the wrong place? What is this doing in the middle of that? What does this stuff have to do with that stuff? Amen. What in the world is this verse doing here? Jesus, you must have had a reason. Oh, let me assure you, he did. Because when you're getting cut on, when God's calling you to remove some stuff in your life, when God's calling you to tailor some stuff down, when God's calling you to slough off some things that have been a distraction or that may have even been incredibly effective before, that may have been fruit-producing parts of your life that were incredibly joyful, and God says, it's time to close that chapter. It's time to bring it into it. It's time to narrow it back down. 
It's time to get back to some basics. It's time to get back to some basics. I've got more I want to do in your life, but I got to get rid of that last season stuff. I got, I got to get rid of all the stuff that before brought some great fruit, but I know what I've got coming ahead. I've got more fruit for you and you're going to have to remove all that stuff and get back to the basics or you can't have more fruit that's from the vine. Amen. So in the midst of that, Jesus knowing that that process is painful, he says to the disciples, now, now stop disciples. Let me just tell you something. He says, you're already clean. Because of the word which I've spoken to you. See, what's fascinating is the word for pruning in verse 2 is a word that means to clean, to purge. And when God cleans and purges, sometimes it can feel like, whoa, 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 wait, God, wait, wait a minute. I thought you loved me. I thought you were for me. I thought, I thought you promised to be with me. I thought you said I was blessed and that you were going to provide for me. Here you are cutting my life up. God, where are you? And Jesus says, now, wait a minute. Let me assure you. You are already clean. I'm purging you. But look, you're already clean because of the word I spoke to you. Don't get all upset about what's happening in your life. Don't get depressed. Don't get upset. Don't think I've left you. Don't question your salvation just because some pruning has happened. You are already mine, secure, in the vine, clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Amen? Let's break it down a little bit so we can kind of see what's going on here. Let's just... Let's break it down a couple of words at a time. How about that? Let's start with you are. So we know the rest of the verse is there, but let's just start with you are. Jesus is saying something specifically to the disciples. You are. Guys, you are. I've got something I want to say to you before we go any further. You are. Because here, understand the context. They are headed from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane at this time. Guys, you are. See, they were about to they were about to go through some pruning that they had never experienced before. They're about to walk into that garden and they were about to face pressures they'd never faced before. They were about to face persecution they'd never faced before. They were about to face some pruning that they'd never faced before. They were about to have the one who was their physical source of life completely removed from them. Jesus would be arrested. Jesus would be taken away. And they would be left in that moment, their life severely pruned. It would hurt. To watch the man who had taught them, called them, provided for them, loved them, and he was going to be taken away. Everything about their life in that moment was going to be pruned. They were going to have to face some hard questions in their own soul about who God was and whether or not he would be faithful. And in that moment, Jesus says to them, guys, I've got to tell you something. You are. And what you are is bigger than what is happening to you. When stuff starts happening to you that you don't understand, go back to who you are. 
when you can't figure out why life is turned upside down, go back to the fact that you have been called by Jesus Christ, redeemed, set apart, attached to the vine, and are forever securely part of him. That's what you have to do. When you can't figure out what you don't know, you go back to what you do know. You go back to who you are. And you know that who you are is bigger than what is happening to you. The next part of the verse says you are already clean. Let's camp out on this for just a little bit. Clean. Already clean. Pruning is cleaning. But Jesus says, now, just know this. You're already clean. You're already mine. You see, it hadn't been but maybe just minutes since they were all in the upper room together. It hadn't been that long ago in the story when Jesus picked up a, a basin of water and a towel and went over and started washing Peter's feet. And he said, whoa, 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 hold up. Don't be washing my feet. I should be the one washing your feet. And Jesus says, look here, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can have no part of me. Brash Peter says, well, wash all of me then. Just give me a whole bath. I just, I mean, I'm all in. Wash all of me. And Jesus said something so profound in this moment. He said, Peter, you've already been washed. I just need to cleanse your feet. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you don't come to church every Sunday to be born again, again. You were made secure and sealed the day you believed. You were once and for all eternity placed in him. You don't have to come again to be born again, 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 again. I've known people who live in that cycle who've been in churches where they've been taught that cycle, where they live in a fear every night, as one man told me, praying a prayer of salvation every night so that he might not go to sleep in fear. And for that, Jesus says, you are, and here's what you are, already clean. Some of the words from Jesus to the disciples were, He who hears my word and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation because he has passed from death to life. What you believe about who you are will affect how you see this kind of stuff happening to you. If you're uncertain about who you are, when this stuff hits you, you'll lose your ever-loving mind. You'll be upset. You'll be going to your doctor asking for more medication because you can't cope with life. You'll be looking in places for something to soothe you because you can't get soothing at the place you need the most soothing down deep in your spirit. Amen? Amen? Don't leave me now. You're already clean. Get some confidence in that, Jesus says. Disciples, you're about to face something bigger than you could ever imagine. I can't even tell you about it, boys. But I can tell you this. Before you go into it, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Don't forget that. 
because you're about to, you're about to hit the fan. <laughs> Condemnation's been removed from you. Your guilt's been removed from you. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know we sometimes use that as this repetitive thing that I keep doing in my life, but that is actually a reference to the first time you are born again. You were cleansed from all unrighteousness. You were made clean the day you confessed Jesus as Lord and became his follower. That happened then. You say, well, I don't feel that clean. Hello, my faith beyond what it feels like. Well, sometimes I don't look all that clean. My faith beyond what it looks like. You with me? Because this stuff's going to start happening. And what pruning is, is trying to get your outside life to match up with your inside life. He's trying to get you fit to be who you are. You've been made righteous, and now he's trying to shape your life to be righteous. So yes, he will come to you and say, hey, it's time to cut this part out of your life. It's time to cut that language out of your life. It's time to cut that substance out of your life, whatever that substance may be. It's time to cut that relationship out of your life. It's time to cut that habit out of your life. It's time to get pruned because I've got more I got to do in your life. And know this, you've been made clean. I'm just pruning you to help you live clean. Mm. Pruning is causing your life to match who you are. It's where you get tempted, though. It's where you get tempted to think, God, where are you? God, have you left me? God, are you against me? God, what's happening here? My faith beyond what it looks like. Let's go on. You're already clean, Jesus said, because of the word. Let's just pause on that right there. Jesus said to these guys, about to hit the fan, you are already clean. I just got to say one more thing about this clean thing. Did you know that in the book of Colossians, it says that when you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, that he makes you blameless? That before the Father, stay with me, please. Before the Father, you are seen as blameless. If I am in Christ and Christ is at the right hand of the Father, guess where we are? Guess who we are? You are already clean. You are already declared righteous. You are already accepted. You are already blameless. Look here. We're not living our life trying to reach a status of blameless. You live your life in obedience because you've been made blameless. That's different. They're very different. If you're living your life trying to be righteous enough to somehow offset your past sins, you're in trouble. I don't care how good you are from this day forward. You couldn't make up for what you were and what you've done. But if you're walking today in obedience because of what you've been made, you're about to experience some joy and peace and power in your life that you've never experienced before. Already clean because of the word. 
Because of the word. Because of the word. I'm sure the disciples were thinking, Lord, now what did he say to us? What has he said to us? Yeah, that's right. He said the new covenant was in his blood. It wasn't based on us, not based on our works. It's based on him. He promised us life eternal if we believe in him. And all of a sudden they're thinking, hey, that's right. We are who we are because of the word spoken to us. You see, if you're going to be a, a man or woman of faith and you've got to understand this idea that you're not what you are because you have achieved it, you are what you are because God has spoken it. Let me unpack that for just a moment. In the beginning, when there was nothing, mm-hmm, when there was nothing, there was no ooze. There was no monkey to evolve from. There was nothing. And in that time, God would speak and create. He would say, let there be light. And there was. He didn't have to spend a day out in his shop, out back of heaven, working to create light. He didn't have to Google what it was. He didn't have to call his friends over to figure it out. He didn't have to look in some book to get the chemical equation for it. He just said, light. And he creates. He creates something out of nothing. That's hard for us to get our mind wrapped around. I'd love to walk out my backyard and just say, mode. You know, right? Wouldn't it be awesome? Or Heather walk into the laundry room and say, clean, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? That doesn't happen that way for us. But that's how God works. He just speaks. And it's there. It's there. Something comes out and something is created when there was nothing. He didn't pull them all together and play with it for a long time and do all this. He just, boom, just there. So look here. When he says to your life, clean, you are in that moment. Amen. You are. He doesn't have to say, well, here we go. This is going to take forever. This is going to be a long process, and boy, I hope they cooperate. Uh, No. He speaks and says, forgiven. When it's done, he creates something out of nothing. He just speaks it and it's there. He just says, accepted. And you are. He just says, mine. And you are. That's what he does. So when Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Whew. Disciples, You're clean. I know you don't always feel forgiven. I know you don't always feel righteous. I know you don't always feel close to God. But look here. My faith beyond what it feels like. My faith beyond what it looks like. If he says I'm his, I'm his. If he says I'm clean, I'm clean. If he says I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. If he says I'm accepted, I'm accepted. And when you start believing by faith, you'll find your feelings catching up with your faith. But if you keep leaning on your feelings, your faith is never going to catch up to it. 
That's why Jesus would say to them, Now you're already clean. Know this. You're about to go into a garden. You're about to face the knife of your life. And I've got to assure you up front, I want to tell you first, you were already clean. And it isn't because of something you did. It's because of what I spoke. The word, and he says, which I have spoken in the next part of the verse. He's very clear. It's the word which I have spoken, Jesus says. Jesus is speaking from a place of authority. Jesus is saying, I'm the one who spoke this to you. I'm the one who was the the word who became flesh. I'm the one who was the word who was with God in the beginning. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus had authority to say this. But I want you to know this also. Jesus not only had the authority to say this, but Jesus was speaking from a place in his own life where this passage was about to become true. I sometimes wonder, you know, at first when I I read this passage, I think, wow, Jesus said those words for me. He did. Then I think, wow, I bet he was talking to the disciples. That's what was happening here. Boys, you're already clean because the word which I've spoken to you, that's what he was doing. That's what this was all about, pruning and fruit. And then I think, wait a minute. The disciples were about to be pruned. But you know who in the story was about to really be pruned? It was Jesus himself. You see, Jesus was going to walk into a garden And he was going to feel the knife of the denial of his own disciples. They would run in fear instead of stand with him. They would deny even knowing him. And like a knife, it would come to Jesus. He would be met by Judas, one of his own, who would betray him. And he would feel the knife of betrayal. He would be arrested and taken away and accused of something he had not done. And he would feel the knife of false accusation. He would go into trial after trial. He would be silent. He would be pronounced guilty. He would be given a crown of thorns. The crowd would turn on him. They would sentence him to death by crucifixion. He would be taken out, placed on a cross, nails in his hands and feet. He would be put up in public shame. And not because he had done anything wrong. He had lived right He had lived righteously. He had lived in obedience to the Father. He had lived with fruitfulness from his life. People had come to believe. People had been healed. People had been changed. Lazarus had been raised. So much had happened. Yet here was Jesus at a young age having his life pruned. He himself would have his life cut short. That's pruning, cut short. 
on the cross, Jesus himself would say, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because when you're getting pruned, sometimes it feels like the Father has forsaken you. Even when he hasn't. But it wouldn't be long on the cross before Jesus would say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That feeling of forsaken didn't last too long because he let his knowledge of God, his awareness of the Father, be bigger than what it felt like in the moment. Amen? It just, it saddens me when I talk to believers who, um, they've experienced some stuff in their life. Painful stuff. They um, were in a relationship in a marriage and it went badly. Maybe it wasn't because of anything they had done, but it went badly. And all of a sudden life feels like You've just been pruned. Or sometimes you've been in a friendship and you become the one who's gossiped about, rejected, cut off, and it just feels like a knife. You've been pruned. Maybe you've been in a a faith group, small group, church, whatever it might be, and something happened. We used to say, you've been burned in church. That stuff happens. In that moment, it feels like it's been pruned. Things cut off. You think, God, what, what's happening here? What's going on? And Jesus speaks words of reassurance to us in the midst This is where we are right now. This is your season. I know you can't see what's coming in the next season. But the vine dresser is so wise. He knows exactly when to go out and prune the vine. He knows when it's the right time. He knows when it's the right moment. So that it's not... Too soon after the fruit was produced, it's not too soon into the next growing season that he prunes it because the vine dresser knows what's coming next and when it's coming. And so have this confidence today. If your life is being pruned, it's because the vine dresser knows there's something amazing coming next. He wouldn't be pruning you if it wasn't for that. He's not pruning you because of last season's failures. He's pruning you because of next season's faithfulness. So we can rest in him today. Let's finish this verse up. Two words. To you. Jesus says, 
you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken, not just in generality, not just into space, not just across the internet, but to you. You see, the Spirit of God doesn't speak in generalities. He speaks uniquely and specifically to you. And he speaks about specific areas in your life. He doesn't just speak generalities. I'll say it again. He speaks specifics. So that area today where you feel like you've been pruned and you're still hurting from what happened There's a new season coming. In that area where you've been confused about all that got removed, there's a new season coming. In that area in your life where you think, what happened here? There is so much more fruit coming that you can't even imagine it right now. And so the vine dresser didn't even tell you. He just cuts faithfully and loves. And he speaks Words of reassurance. It's to you. Specifically to you. So I would say two things to us today. One. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? I know if you've been around church a long time, you've probably heard those words before. But if the Spirit of God is speaking to you today, all of a sudden it sounds very fresh. It feels like the first time all of a sudden. Because God is passionate for you to know, to know, to know that you belong to Him. No more uncertainty. No more doubt. Because there's some stuff coming that you're going to need to know. I'm clean. I'm done. I'm in. I'm with. Second question. Where's the spot today that God's speaking to you in your life? Don't worry about that one next to you. Don't worry about that other padded chair near you. You're sitting in the chair of change this morning. Your seat. Where is God speaking to you? Where have you been resisting him? Where have you pushed back on him? Where have you said, no, no, God, not, don't cut that. And he cut it anyway. Where have you gotten depressed, angry, fearful? Could you rest this morning and say, God, my faith beyond what it feels like today trust you would you bow your heads with me this morning if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ then I invite you to do so right this moment to say God I have sinned I have failed I am the one who pushed back I am the one who walked away I am the one who has blown it and I desperately need a savior I've doubted in the past, but today I come and I believe, and I believe that it is a permanent decision. Not because I keep it, but because you keep it. So, Father, I come to confess my sin and receive you into my life today. 
Now, perhaps you've made that decision already. And today, you are saying to God, Lord, I have so wrongly interpreted what's happened in my life. I've I've totally missed it. I've been upset about it. I should have been grateful for it. I've been crying about my pain instead of rejoicing in what you're doing. And today, I settle the matter. I settle it. You've made me clean. And now you're pruning my life. And I'm grateful. Father, this morning, I'm so grateful for your presence here. I'm grateful for your word that is alive. And that it is a sword, a two-edged sword that comes to cut, to clean, to purge, to remove what has been last season, to make way for a new season. And as a branch, I say thank you for pruning. As a branch, I say thank you for removing what's old so the new can come. As a branch, I say, make me new. I'm ready for a new season. Lord, for whatever is in this room this morning and the response that needs to happen, I pray it would come in full-hearted agreement with what you say. Nothing held back, nothing reserved, no fear, but full surrender, full hope, full faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at Vertical Church Ovilla.